Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the second installment in our Tom and Jerry movie review series. Today we are reviewing Tom and Jerry. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. Was anybody asking for a Tom and Jerry movie? I mean, I, I guess it makes sense because... We have gotten a lot of live-action adaptions of other Hanna-Barbera properties, like the Flintstones uh, 1 and 2, the Scooby-Doo movies, and we just got an animated Scooby-Doo movie, which I didn't like. Uh, We also got the Smurfs movies, we got a Yogi Bear movie, where they like to mix animation with live-action. Not so much in the Flintstones movies, those are kind of... I mean, the animation would have looked atrocious if they would have done it in those. But yeah, I mean, it just kind of came out of the blue. Honestly, we just saw, oh, they're releasing a Tom and Jerry movie. I guess we'll believe it when we see it. But yeah, it's here. And um, if you didn't listen to our review of Tom and Jerry, the movie, which came out in summer of 93, go back and listen to that review. Link to that is in the description below. Mm-hmm. And while you're down there, we also have timestamps. So if you want to jump straight to our thoughts, the, the timestamps are there. Um, also links to uh, we're on all podcast platforms, our official website, our social media pages, Patreon page to uh, get some exclusive content and also financially support us as well. And there's just all kinds of great stuff. The schedule is down there as well. If you're wondering what's coming up next week all of that's in the description below and of course if you're wondering what you should listen to next we have curated a list of episodes for you to listen to right down there and of course no matter where you're listening at go ahead and leave us a five stars and a short written review that written review does help us with the algorithms you hear that all the time now it's the algorithms (laughs) i'm sure alan knows what an algorithm is Yep. I, <laughs> yep. I've written a couple of them, actually. <laughs> Here we go. So it's all it's all up to Alan how the podcast get ranked, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, that that does help um, promote us within the search engine on the podcast. So one of our goals this year is to become verified critics on Rotten Tomatoes. We've been doing this for years now, so it's time to be verified. And yeah, it's time for us to... It's time for us to either tank the score, like it seems like some reviews do, mm-hmm. and everybody can can get mad at us, like that one reviewer who apparently tanked the Ladybird score from 100 to like 96 or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so now we can get opened up so much more criticism or praise, because we might give it a really good score, but leaving that five stars is a great way to help us. So, yeah, you bring up a good point, Corbin. Um there are a lot of movies that are like this, right? Where it's like the cartoon character or in some in a lot of cases actually, the cartoon character made to look realistic is living in the real world, right? That's nothing new. Um like the Smurfs, Alvin the Chipmunks, Garfield the movie, those are like three mm. of the ones that are just off the top of my head oh, of yeah. franchises that existed years ago 
that may have some kind of following nowadays, but are 3D animated uh, cartoons that live and exist in the real world. Uh, nothing new to that idea. Um, so you're right. Who was asking for Tom and Jerry 2021? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Yeah, you're right. Nothing new. It's kind of old. I mean, I feel like this movie's kind of late to the game, honestly, mm-hmm. um, because all these movies we just brought up are at least over a decade old. If not, these franchises are much older. I mean, the Flintstones live action adaption goes back to the 90s. So yeah. it just seems a little strange that it's 2021 and we're getting a movie. I mean, it also seemed strange to me in 93 that we got one as well. But I I don't know. I mean, it's probably not going to do great at the theaters. Um, were you able to find a box office, like a budget for this movie at all? Yeah, I was. Um... A budget, well, okay, I guess it's, uh, maybe, <laughs> I guess is the best way of putting it, because according to the numbers, the budget was $50 million. but according to Wikipedia, the budget was $79 million. so somewhere in what? there is the budget, um, <laughs> that's kind of a, a big, you know, it's a big change between the two of them, but somewhere in there is a budget of, which is still a significant amount. Yeah. Um, for nowadays, um, especially for a big budget Hollywood film, maybe a bit less, but you know, somewhere upwards of fifty million for a budget's nothing to, to sneeze at. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty good, I guess. I mean, we'll talk about what they did with the money, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what did this open to. I mean, not a lot of theaters are open or if they are, I mean, not many people are going, especially because I know you and me didn't go to the theater to see this. We just watched it on HBO Max. Right. And I could have had the option to see it in the theater. There was a theater near me that's playing it, but I didn't. Um, it did open in about 24, almost 2,500 theaters, which is actually pretty pretty good, I think, for a worldwide pandemic. Um, yeah. Funny enough, it kind of released to really no competition. It came out at number one, or the yeah. release at number one, um, <laughs> with number two being The Crude's New Age, which had been in for 14 weeks. So, oh, holy cow. I don't think that there really wasn't much competition when this movie came yeah. out. In fact, as of the time that it did come out, it was like the, it's like the number one grossing movie of that year, of 2021. Mm-hmm. It's the number one grossing movie. So... Not a whole lot. I mean, it made $14.1 million in the box office opening weekend, which is, as of right now, it's also, uh, well, I guess it also made some money in the foreign markets, but still, right, it's not much competition when it came out. $25.6 million for foreign markets with our worldwide total so far with its first week in theaters, $39.7 million. Well, I mean, yeah, if the budget really is 50 million, I I guess that's as good as they could uh, expect, especially mm-hmm. with theaters right now. But the other thing is how many subscriptions are they probably getting with this movie? Right. Like maybe some families are looking to pick up a subscription to check it out. That's a possibility. So I think that's really what they want. I think the box office is kind of going to become somewhat of a thing of the past, not as important. I think it's where subscriptions are headed. That's what we're seeing with this movie, probably. Mm-hmm. But I'm also curious, audiences straight out of the theater, what 
what is the cinema score for this movie? Cinema score uh, A minus, which is actually wow. a lot better than everything else we're about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the movie last time got an A minus also. Mm-hmm. So far, they're pretty much on track. Audiences liked it in the theaters. They're like, yeah, we we like this movie. It's good. Right. But what about other audiences on and critics on other platforms? So I'll start with Rotten Tomatoes first because while its critic score is it's tanked, um, its audience <laughs> score is very similar to that of Cinema Score. Uh, audience, a critic score of thirty five percent and an audience score of eighty four percent. So so far, it looks like at least between Cinema Score and Rotten Tomatoes, audiences kind of like it. Um, in fact, wow. they really like it. Like they, these are both very positive scores. Yeah, I guess audiences are going for it, but critics are, it's like maybe a fourth of critics recommend the movie, it sounds like. Right, yeah, like pretty wow. much very, I think there were like 70-something uh, critics' reviews when I looked. Um, most of them are saying this is a rotten rotten film, mm. a rotten tomato. Yeah, so what about Metascore and IMDb and Letterboxd? Well, this is where it gets kind of not great for the film. Uh, I'm to be at a 5.3, Metascore oh. at a 33, and a Letterboxd at a 2.0. Um, so oh. all of those are very poor scores. Those are not looking good. My guess is, and we're just, what, a couple weeks out from the release of the movie, especially by the time you're listening to this. Mm -hmm. So these scores technically could, some of those scores could go down. That is what I'm guessing, because right now, um, let the record state Tom and Jerry, the movie is has better ratings, at least on Letterboxd and IMDb mm -hmm. um, than this one. So, so far, the original animated theatrical film is holding strong, except it looks like because um, the original animated one had a 14 percent critics rating and a 40 percent audience rating. So um over on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a different story. But nevertheless, right. yeah, I mean, that is really confusing that these scores are like so different because it's like you get one story, people coming out of the theater and over on Rotten Tomato audiences are just really enjoying this movie. And then on the like IMDb and Letterboxd end and Metascore end, it's like trash. Like people think this movie is just pretty bad. Oh, yeah. And I watched this movie when it first released. I saw that it came out with like a 6.5. Um, so it's definitely gone down uh, <laughs> for the, about the week and a half that it's been in theaters, at least at the time of this recording. So wow. mm, we'll see how far down it goes. Um, this is also one of those movies where there isn't a whole lot of that theater experience because no one's really going to see it. Um, they'll see it mostly sitting on their TV through HBO Max, most likely is where a, right. a good, I would say a good chunk of the traffic is going to come from. So we'll see how, you know, how much the, the score fluctuates from, uh, from here. But so far, it's not looking very good. <laughs> it's not looking good. And I wanted to see, is this out of the norm for a movie like this? These other movies we talked about. And I checked the meta score for Flintstone, Scarfield, Yogi Bear Smurfs, all of those. And they're all sitting pretty in the 30s as well. Oof. So it seems about right. All right. So it's pretty par for the course then. We're not really outside of uh, of everything else that's around it then. Yeah. The IMDb is probably something to brag about though. 
because some of those Flintstones movies are like low fours, high threes. Oof. Um, the Scooby-Doo movies as well, I think, are somewhere in the high fours. So, hey, it's hasn't got to that point yet. Yeah, I guess that's an achievement. <laughs> I guess so. So, did you see the trailer for this? I completely missed the trailer. I, I, I think it was probably popped up on my YouTube, and I just, I knew we were going to review it, and I was like, for, I'm not going to watch it. I didn't okay. even give it a second thought. Okay. Yeah. I I think we are in the same situation because I think I maybe saw like the five seconds um, that I wanted, only wanted to see it um, that for before I could click the skip ad button. Um, so I haven't actually watched this trailer like all the way through until this review. Yeah. Um, so I'm, we're, we're in the same page we're, I think we're in the same <laughs> boat here. Yeah, you know, for me, the trailer, maybe if I was seven, I would, <laughs> it would get my attention. But to me, it looks like the most generic movie that's about 16 years too late. I mean, this mm -hmm. looks like it should be coming out alongside Garfield, the movie, to compete. And it just feels so out of time. It's so strange. But yeah, uh, I mean, maybe, 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 maybe if I had kids. Um, I, I wouldn't go take them to the theater. We'd, I would take them downstairs because when they, you know, would get distracted, we could shut it off and I didn't feel like I'd waste my time and money, mm -hmm. but yeah, I did nothing about this trailer is appealing to me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Um, I watching it for this review. I can't say that I'm really looking forward to watching Tom and Jerry 2021. <laughs> um, I've, uh. I've, I feel like I've seen this happen before with uh well we were just talking about him uh garfield and whatnot so yeah can't say that i'm really looking forward or really would want to go watch this if i had the choice um but of course since we're doing the review on it uh you know that's a bit of a different story so yeah can't say i'd be very <laughs> excited either to watch this well, listeners, if you haven't seen Tom and Jerry, it is streaming, still streaming on HBO Max. So it's not going to just like be sitting there forever. It's like a timed event from what I understand with these new movies that kind of give you a window to watch them in. So make sure to get on that. Watch it if you really do want to see it before you have to purchase it. Well, we are going to be talking about spoilers soon, so go ahead and click play on the movie, go ahead and watch it, and then come back and click play here on the podcast, and we'll be ready to talk about it. Both Tom and Jerry are living it up in the Big Apple. Jerry is shopping for a new house while Tom is struggling to get by, passing himself off as a blind cat who can play the piano. Well, one day, Jerry crashes his gig and the two fight. In the scuffle, Kayla Forrester is knocked over, who's a young adult, who later loses her job. She ends up at the Royal Gate Hotel, where she tricks a lady who was there for an interview into believing that she's actually failed said interview. Kayla catches a copy of her resume and turns out the lady she tricked has a very impressive resume, which Kayla then uses as her own and gets a job herself. Well, Jerry finds a spot in the same hotel to live, but it doesn't take long for the hotel staff to find out that there is a mouse in the building. Kayla employs time to help her exterminate that mouse and not to draw attention. While all this is happening, the Royal Gate is preparing to host a very big wedding. Kayla becomes directly involved with this, along with Terrace Mendoza, who is the head event coordinator at the hotel. Tom catches Jerry and boots him out of the hotel, but only for him to return in a fight to ensue, which destroys a very big glass ceiling in the lobby. 
Terrence takes the fall for this and Kayla is then given his position. On the day of the wedding, Tom and Jerry get into a fight again, which is started by Terrence, and once again destroys the hotel. It is revealed that Kayla lied to get to where she is and is promptly fired. But an idea strikes her. Save the wedding and have it in Central Park. With the help of the bartender, they do just that and the day is saved. And along the way, she learns a lesson to be yourself and not to measure up to the success of others. The end. Yeah, um, that's the plot. And I gotta, I just have to say it right off the bat. It is a cliche plot. Just cliches can be. Yeah, by about uh, 15 minutes in, no long, and maybe even sooner, I had written down pretty much exactly how this is the whole thing is going to you know, play out, right? Kayla's yeah. going to get the job. She's, they're going to find out later that she's going to do a good, a good enough job, right? Find out later that she isn't who she says she is. They're going <laughs> to fire. Something bad's going to happen because of this. They're going to fire her. Something's going to, you know, there's going to be some kind of incident that leads to that. Then she's going to make it back. I, I knew that was going to happen from the beginning. And it yeah. pretty much played out exactly how I expected it. it. It completely does. It's one of those mistaken identity stories where you don't you think the person is who they say they are mm -hmm. um there's a movie with dana carvey that's really funny called opportunity knocks it's way better than this that's what i was kind of thinking of but there's lots of movies with this plot so right off the bat i mean there's no real suspense or honestly there's no real plot to this movie i would say there's no real driving force um at least not one that we care about, but mm -hmm. anyways, I, let's be a little positive. Okay. <laughs> let's be a little positive. So this isn't going to take long, but I mean, I like that they're paying a little bit of homage to the classic cartoon. And I felt like even a little bit more so than the animated film, because, you know, we kind of have some of the fun antics from the original creation we have the classic tom yelling and screaming i kind of missed that from the last one um and we also bring in more characters like kind of like all of the characters from the original cartoon like the fish and the bulldog and that girl cat so i like they're kind of trying to bring this world together the original world into this human world as well so there's kind of something to latch on to there i guess or remember yeah, no, I am actually with you. Like, I, compared to the 93 film, this these two characters feel more like Tom and Jerry than they did in the 93 film. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, they do play it up like, uh, like you know, the like greatest hits at some points of, you know, oh, they did this in the older cartoons and whatnot. And so they kind of do a replay that here in this new movie. So yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that they do an all right job at, at least portraying, compared to what we've seen before in the previous movie, they do a much better job at portraying who Tom and Jerry really are in a, in a movie about them. Because last time they didn't really do that. So I, I do agree with you. I think that they do a better job here at portraying who these characters really are compared to before. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it is kind of funny. I do kind of appreciate that they call out some some of the obvious stuff. Like when Kayla calls out, why can't a cat catch a mouse? Mm -hmm. And this whole no talking thing is like getting really old. 
because it is kind of funny when they're riding the skateboard and she just keeps like updating them on the plan and they're yep. like following her instructions, but they're not ever talking back to her. And she's right. like, this no talking thing is getting really old. <laughs> so mm -hmm. those kind of things, I mean, at least they kind of like called them out because the in the other movie, they could talk, they could do all this stuff. And it wasn't abnormal for a cat and mouse to act like humans, mm -hmm. it, I guess. And for them to talk, I guess animals talked in that world is really strange. But um, yeah, and you know, there's like one or two jokes here that are like kind of land for me. Um, when Terrence can't pronounce hamster and he calls it a humster. Mm -hmm. And the the fiance is like, can you write a humster? Just something about that <laughs> caught my attention. But uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much it as far as the jokes go for me. I don't know if any jokes landed for you. Yeah, there were a couple. I actually forget exactly what they what they were, but there were a couple of jokes that did land. And I was like, okay, that is kind of funny. And it got a little bit of a chuckle at me. Most of the time, not. Most of the time, I was more or less just sitting there kind of annoyed that they tried to make a joke. <laughs> but there were a couple of moments um, where I was like, okay, that is kind of funny. I think one of them was when Thomas playing the piano and Jerry pushes the bowling ball onto his fingers. That was one of the moments where I was like, okay. Like we're harkening back to the originals, and that was pretty funny the way that they pulled it off. So there were a couple moments yeah. also with me too. I thought it was kind of funny when they go when they go to the dog pound or whatever the animal pound is, mm -hmm. and it just is a quick shot of Droopy Dog as Hannibal Lecter. He kind of has oh, like yeah. the Hannibal Lecter mask on. I was like, "What is that doing here in this movie?" Yeah. But it was kind of funny. Very strange reference to have in a Tom and Jerry movie. Uh, yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Very sense. strange. Didn't make any sense, but I was like, "Okay, that's that's kind of funny." Mm -hmm. so um I'll, I'll be honest alan i'll be honest listeners that is where my praise ends right there i do have one more um okay. we've, been, we've been on the same page so far i do have one more thing and the positives here it's not a very big positive but i did want to at mm -hmm. least bring it up um i i like it that at least they're not going down the exact same route as as like these other movies that we've talked about like garfield um and whatnot right they're not going for the realism route when it comes to these characters. I'm glad they didn't go down there, right? They're at least oh. like saying, no, these these characters, these every animal in this movie, they're going to be cartoons or at least look like they're cartoons. They're not going to be realistic at all. We're not even going to down, going to go down that route. I like that they did that, right? At least it kind of separates Tom and Jerry from everything else that's come out before it, right? At yeah. least they did that. Now, whether or not, um, the animation on them is any good is a different discussion. Um, but at least they're standing out, right? As a positive I can give. Yeah, that's actually the perfect segue into the next thing I was about to bring up is you're right. I appreciate they kept the original character design, but the way that these characters are animated, I think the animation looks cheap more often than not. I think yeah. the, I don't like it at all. I think it looks pretty bad. And I think sometimes I was getting PTSD flashes to food fight. It just looked. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, no. I knew you'd react to that one. I knew you'd react to that one. <laughs> there was times. So there's times, especially um, when they are in like the dog jail. Or the, I keep on a dog. When, they keep, when they're in the pound, essentially. Mm. And they're telling, they're like telling Tom to eat the mouse. 
that animation just looks so cheap. I mean, I don't know where this money went to. It must have gone to Michael Pena and uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's salary for Pete's yeah. sake. Because, my gosh, I just was not a fan of this animation. I understand they're trying to like do this weird 2D, 3D blend and kind of retain some of it. But it just it, it doesn't work for me. I don't like it. Yeah, no, I, I'm absolutely with you. I think when they are at a distance, it looks way better than when it's <laughs> up close. When it's up close, that's when I was like, ooh, oh, this doesn't look super great. Um, so when I first watched the trailers, when uh, I watched it on YouTube, those, you know, the five seconds before I was able to skip it, um, what little I saw coming into this, I thought it was 2D. I thought they had went down a more traditional route and did something like, you know, what they used to do. Uh, where they would like kind of like with uh, well with Space Jam, right? Or I or even with uh, the sequel, you know, Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes back in action, where mm -hmm. they had cartoon characters, you know, moving around in the real world, right? I thought that yeah. that's what they did, right? Until I get into I the wish. movie and find out, no, they actually they tried to keep you know a three a two D like style to it, but on a three D model, um, yeah. which is still fine, but I don't think it looks very good here. And like I mentioned, yeah. it's when it's close up. When they do close ups on these characters, that's when I'm like, uh, not a, not a fan, not a fan. Far away, it's much better, but not close up. It's really weird. I was, I was, I, I too was surprised. I knew they were kind of retaining a similar style, but once mm -hmm. you watch it in the movie, once you watch all this stuff flow in the movie, and you realize every animal in this world is actually like animated or something mm -hmm. there's no real animals it's really weird and i yeah it sometimes i just i couldn't even believe how bad it looked but you know the other thing that i was disappointed by is the tom and jerry antics they don't do very much like creative stuff with it or just feel like they're not really improving upon what they did it just seems very basic stuff like I didn't like the Rube Goldberg trap that oh, yeah. uh, I think Tom yeah. sets up for Jerry. I don't like it because it's slow. And in the cartoon, the original traps kind of have this like almost like slow build up to them, kind mm -hmm. of to like bring up the suspense of what's about to happen. And then there's always this frenetic follow through. Whereas I just felt like some of this stuff was, I mean, I don't know. The original shorts had a way of, really just kind of pulling your attention in for like 10 minutes. But this stuff just doesn't work for me. Um, I'm just kind of disappointed. It's all of just just very basic type stuff. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I think that, again, compared to the previous movie, you know, they at least again, there's they at least are doing more of what Tom and Jerry is known for. Um, but you're right in terms of anything being like like these antics being any kind of original um, antics. They aren't really that either. They're, it feels like they're mostly just playing up um, what has come before or it turns into like that cloud of the fighting cloud that they have all the time. Um, they do that like more than once in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I know you're right. I think that they're in terms of, you know, how Tom and Jerry like get on each other and then like the creative side of, you know, what they do to each other is what made those old cartoons like, so funny and so creative. They don't really do that here yeah and i'm i just also don't appreciate that i felt like with this comedy they didn't even try 
to mm-hmm. do anything creative or it's just stupid comedy. It's very elementary. I, I wrote down a couple of the jokes um, when she says, why does your Wi-Fi need a skateboard? And he says, why the fi not? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. And then he says, do I look OK? She says for a phone call. And then he says, sir, you sound you sound like you look amazing. And why do they have to have the dog fart during the wedding at like the very end? It's just like, oh, my gosh, just just pull out the cheapest lowbrow humor you can Mm -hmm. and expect maybe children to laugh. But children aren't going to laugh at at Wi-Fi jokes. And I didn't think it was funny either. Yeah. Yeah. Again, back to that comedy, like there are moments we coupled a cut. We did chuckle a couple of times, but that's it for a movie that's what an hour and forty something minutes long. A couple of laughs for a, a that's something that's built as a comedy is not not super great for a, at least us two. Um, so yeah, no, you're right. Most like I mentioned, most of the jokes that happened in this movie did not land for me at all. A couple of times it did, but for the most part, they were they just didn't land at all. And yeah, there were a couple of moments like why the fine not where I'm just like, uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so. ooh, you know, and you, you brought up the runtime. I cannot believe this movie is a hundred minutes long. It's about it's about twenty minutes longer than the previous film. My gosh, just oh yeah, run. T- I mean, they just pad this runtime. I mean, there's that weird scene where they focus on that uh, virtual reality wall just for no reason. He's like, we can scuba dive or hang glide. Nothing to do with oh, the plot, man. and then it's there and gone. And then we get a focus on Jerry taking a bath for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just weird stuff where I'm like, why? I mean, yeah, we get it. You're just trying to bloat the runtime because there's like no story here. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because while they, like you mentioned, they feels like they're really trying to bloat the story to make it longer than in reality what it really you know is. It, it's kind of kind of funny that you know for a movie that's called Tom and Jerry, I feel like the story is the thing that takes up most of the time, right? For a good chunk of the film, there like hardly is a Tom and a Jerry, and it's just following around Kayla trying to set up Kayla's story that ultimately leads to nowhere, and <laughs> it gets so bogged down with trying to tell its story that it hardly is a story to begin with. That it really begins to take away, at least from how I see it. It really begins to take away, you know, who Tom and Jerry really is. You know, the title of the movie, you know, these two characters, it feels like they don't really utilize them much. And when they get to like trying to preach a message, they completely forget that Tom and Jerry are even in this movie, um, which I want to talk about in a bit. But (laughs) that's one of my bigger negatives is that, you know, while this movie has a story, it has what I would consider to be too much of it. Right. It tries to tell it too much for a story that's already kind of surface level. Um, and it takes away from the, you know, the main stars, which are Tom and Jerry. Yeah. And, you know, even at, at the very least with like Garfield, the movie Garfield dealt with Odie, John adopting Odie because he had a crush on the veterinarian and mm-hmm. she kind of like pressured him into it because he likes her. And then, so now all of a sudden, John has more of an affection towards Odie and Garfield is missing out. And it had that Bill Murray dry humor to it at the very least. Right. This is all just kind of like a coincidence story where it's Tom and Jerry kind of just come to this hotel and then 
Kayla comes in to get free food. And then there just so happens to be a big wedding going on at the same time. The thing that frustrates me is that Tom and Jerry have absolutely nothing to do with this wedding. They're not tied to it. Once again, we have this generic story of this big wedding and it's going to be a fiasco. We all know how it goes. But they're like, maybe we should just insert Tom and Jerry in there to cause problems. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's it. Let's do that. It's utterly pointless. It's so frustrating. Yeah. If they took Tom and Jerry out, like this, say that they just completely scrapped the Tom and Jerry stuff (laughs) of this movie. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't take away a whole lot. I mean, in, no. in all reality, because Tom and Jerry don't really add much. Uh, there is a certain section where it's when Tom's trying to catch Jerry, where it feels like maybe finally they have something to do, um, which ends up they kind of wander away from that after a certain point. So you could almost in fact, I would argue you probably could very much just write out Tom and Jerry from this movie and you would have a more at least a more cohesive film um not one that is like this um i feel like with without the tom and jerry characters in the story this would flow a little bit better not a whole lot but at least a little bit better and would at least tell what it's trying to say much better as well because the message that they try to say becomes very convoluted with the introduction of these two characters yeah and you i mean you know they really don't have much of a place in this movie um when they go out on the town when Kayla yeah. sends them out on the town, which is for nothing, it's no reason except to just um, pad the runtime. And of course, the plot, I just got to say it down. This plot is awful. I mean, yeah. this wedding for these two people we've never even heard of. We don't care about them. I don't even know what's going on in Kayla's life. So I don't care about her. I mean, I guess she lost her job, but then she easily gets a really respectable high paying job. And um, the other thing is, I also was noticing a lot of um, ripping off of Ratatouille because Terrence is the Skinner character in Ratatouille Mm -hmm. who eventually gets fired from Gusteau's because he's kind of like going crazy and causing problems. But then he comes. I mean, this is cliche, of course, when the villain, the villain comes back in the end, seemingly wins. The heroes are are thrown out and downcast, but they come up with a plan to save the day and they expose the villain for who he really is. I mean, unbelievably cliche. And yeah, I was just kind of thinking of Ratatouille and sometimes I was like, I kind of wish I was watching this Yep. instead. Yep. It's kind of funny now that I'm thinking about it. Tom and Jerry almost feel like it's an afterthought to the story. Um, I, I mean, it kind of goes along with, with exactly what we're just talking about, right? It's this, even though the story itself is super generic, you know, the characters of Tom and Jerry add like literally nothing to the story. And for the story that is, you know, what it is now, it is also still very extremely cliche, like you were just talking about, right? It's, it, it, for me at least, and it sounds like it's for you as well, it's a story that is so surface level and just runs with the most cliche things, um, but does not ever take the time to dive deeper into what it really wants to say. Because there's a message in here about how, and it comes from Kayla, there's a message in here about how you shouldn't be comparing yourself to others and their success and just to be yourself, right? That's, they kind of bring that up about, well, it's after she gets fired and she's talking with the bartender when they're walking around. But what does that have to do with Tom and Jerry? I, I don't, I, I fail to see the connection between what, why Tom and Jerry need to be in this film and what the message that they're trying to, 
trying to send here, right? I, I get that it you know it connects to our character of Kayla, but I don't see where Tom and Jerry fit into that message. Well, that's her path. Tom and Jerry's is teamwork is better than fighting. That's that's their entire arc is because once they instead of fighting, they cause problems and they ruin mm-hmm. everything. But when they t- work together, like on the skateboard and Jerry's on the drone or whatever, then they can achieve great things. Um, I I do kind of have a problem with the moral of all of this story is because it's not realistic. Um, just because you lie and tell people the truth. And it doesn't mean you're going to win out in the end. People will probably not be happy with you. They're not going to give you a job because they're like, you know what? We realized you were really good and you deserve a job. How about you? You come back and work for us still. It's like, what? No, mm-hmm. you kidding me. And then I don't I don't know how Tom and Jerry's story ends. Like they just end that. Yeah, that literally just ends. Moving around. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it, it literally just ends. It just ends. Um, one of the other things that I, I just could not stand was all of the music choices in this movie. They're it's weird. Like they're super weird. They're, they're weird. super out of place. Uh, they're like '90s hip hop sounding music. It's like I said, this movie. Sa- it's it's almost like they they made this movie in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. and then it just sat on a shelf for like 15 years. And or 20 years and they just like, oh, wait, gosh, we forgot to release this, didn't we? <laughs> right. It really um, does feel the, like that. Yeah. The music choices are really out of place. I don't I have no idea what like rap music has to do with Tom and Jerry. And honestly, yep. in some scenes, it just grated on my nerves. Um, Like when they're having that kind of slow motion walk down the hallway and Kayla's like flipping her hair and Tom's like tilting his hat. I'm like, what? movie is this like Mm -hmm. why did anybody think that made sense and it's not just once in a while it's all of the music in the movie all of it right no i'm with you i the music in this film the music that they choose for this movie doesn't fit at all it it, it, in fact when it opened the way that this film opens really caught me off guard (laughs) because i was not expecting this to open with a rap song sung by a pigeon flying through manhattan oh I was not expecting there to be a rap song anywhere near a Tom and Jerry movie. Yeah, the um, pigeon. I don't think it's the singing voice of the pigeon, but the regular voice of the pigeon is none other than the director of this movie, Tim Story. Oh, okay. Yeah, he put himself in here. And, you know, like we talked about it last week at the end of the show last week. Tim Tim Story did movies all in the early 2000s. He did all those Mm -hmm. cheesy early 2000s movies. And now all of a sudden they plucked him from obscurity once again to do this. That's why it feels so early 2000s to me in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, I, I just couldn't believe it when when the heroes are cast out of the hotel and they're really sad and there's that song. And then all of a sudden it cuts to the pigeon singing the song. And that just yep. pulled me out of the movie so much. I'm like... Do they want me to care or take anything seriously here? I, I, I mean, right. you just totally undermined all the emotions you're trying to set up because it's a joke. Right. No. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right. Um, and I, and I gotta say, um, there are a couple of moments where I feel like they just forget 
about certain things in this movie. Like one of the thing that pops off the top of my head is the 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 side plot with the ring, right? The the not the groom, but the, the bride loses her ring. Come to find out, Jerry stole it, right? No real no real surprise there. And so there is this random side plot that just kind of pops out of nowhere for this for Kayla to go find this, but it has like no resolution. Right, she gets the ring from Jerry, but we never, like, ever see her give the ring to the bride and or anything about that until we hear about it much later. When I think it's the like the hotel owner is like, "Oh, I heard you found the ring, uh, found Prita's ring or whatever." Uh, that's one of the it's one of those things where I feel like that one. And I think there was one other um, where like they bring it up and they fix it, but there's like no resolution to it. It's just poor storytelling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very basic, um, what do you want to call it? Very basic speed bumps for these characters to hit. And yeah. just, they can get over any hurdles. There's really no problem. I mean, I all I can all I could think about while watching this movie is like, this movie's a payday for people. This is not made with any kind of love and care or really any kind of honor to the characters. This is just a straight up Hollywood payday for... Mm-hmm. For the entirety of it, it's really frustrating with the storytelling. You're right. Um, and, you know, I don't really like I feel like Jerry is kind of this really uppity kind of character that is like super slick. And I just I don't like that they made Jerry this kind of like unlikable character, at least to me anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Usually the characters are just kind of neutral. You just like both of them, but, you know, they do bad things. But. Yeah, Jerry just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way with stuff. I don't know. Did you get that at all? No, I uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely on the same page there. Yeah, he he feels like a very like a very different character compared to, you know, what he was in the cartoons. It feels like now he's a bit more snobbish. Yeah. Um than what he than what he is in those cartoons. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, you know, w- what was the breaking point for you where you were like I'm done? Cause I I can tell you what oh, mine man. was. <laughs> what was the breaking point for me? I it was, actually it was pretty early on. I think um, it was it was when the it was when Kayla like convinces that lady that's there for that interview that oh this was a test the whole time and I'm sorry but you failed mm-hmm. um, and then was able to take her resume and use it as her own. Um, that was that's probably where I from then on I just kind of slipped away and I was like, eh, oh no, <laughs> this is this is not good. Yeah. So it didn't take very long. Yeah, I fortunately had the privilege of breaking this up over two nights. Oh. Yeah. So the first night I watched about thirty five minutes of it probably, and then I and then I finished it for the rest. I'm like, oh, I don't have that much left. Let me tell you, I don't think I've ever felt about an hour feel so long. Oh, man. I just like, you know, because I will say my breaking point was the hotel lobby brawl where it's just a Mm. whirlwind. It's a tornadic whirlwind of destruction with the animals. They're breaking the glass ceiling. We get Terrence holding onto the leash, getting caught up in this Wizard of Oz style tornado. Everything's destroyed. At that point, I could not take it anymore. I was like, mm-hmm. gosh, this 
Because before that, I was like, okay, this movie is just, it's kind of fun, lighthearted. I mean, it's just utterly forgettable, but it's not really like offensive or anything. Little did I realize I had like 50 minutes left and it just went, it just went downhill from there, crashed and burned from there. I just like couldn't believe it. But oh gosh. Um, yeah, I mean. Yep. No, I, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, also these characters, some of these characters are so I, just awful. Um, Joy, the bellhop Joy is so oh, yeah. not funny, even though they're like, oh, she's going to be like the weird one that everybody laughs at. No. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same with Ben, the uh, Ben who's marrying the lady. He has no personality and his dialogue yep. is awful. He's not a movie actor. He's from Saturday Night Live and just bland as can be mm-hmm. yeah and that's another thing too is they have this big wedding right um and that's another thing where i'm just like what does this have to do with tom and tom like we we talked we talked about this earlier um but that's another one of those things where it's like a wedding why a, why a wedding right like why why that of all the things why a wedding yeah i don't so, know yeah it, i mean it should it should be like maybe like an animal show, like a dog show, and they ruin it. it. It should have something to do with something in their animal world. They can cross the humans over mm-hmm. into that. I mean, that's the plot of Garfield, but whatever. We'll leave that for a different time. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a different review. <laughs> that's a different review. But, I mean, of course, they have to shoehorn in um, cartoon elephants for them to ride on top of. And, of course, elephants are afraid of mice. So that's part of the chaos and destruction. It's just so, so ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I was so disappointed with was when I saw Ken Jong was in the credits and in this movie, I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I'm in for a little bit of a treat because I think Ken Jong is hilarious. I love what he mm-hmm. does on community and all the movies I've seen him in. He's just made everything better, but that's because he has more than three scenes. They actually let him do his comedy. They let him do his stuff. Why in the world do they have Ken Jong in here if he's only going to be in like three scenes and that are utterly inconsequential? Right. I was shocked and disappointed by that. Uh, just so many, ba- so many bad choices were made <laughs> with this. Yeah. You know, one nitpick that I have, and this kind of goes from what I guess, it kind of ties into that ring subplot that I mentioned. Um, there's a point in the movie when Kayla is looking at herself in the mirror and she's like, should I have my hair up or down? I'm going to go up. Right. She decides to to put her hair up. Right. Not the big of a deal, except later in the film, all of a sudden her hair comes down. Right. It's such a nitpick, but they never bring it. They never mention it. Never bring it up. Like why at one point did she decide to take it down? And, and for what reason it just, it struck me as odd and I had to bring it up yeah she wears her hair down like the whole movie Mm -hmm. um yeah there was a lot of stuff like that that doesn't make sense that's brought up and dropped and just doesn't really come back around um of course these characters are more i mean the human characters are more two-dimensional than the animated characters are yeah no that yeah no you're right (laughs) i mean shockingly so you're right i don't care about these wet i don't care about this wedding i don't care that like they have the bulldog and this cat and um the animals don't like terrence um 
at the very end we see the goldfish pull out its own cup to to do a cheers to the couple at the wedding i just thought why i'm like why are these choices being made it's just mm. so shocking and so horrible <laughs> honestly yeah oh it's yeah it's it's a surprise that's at least that's the way i put it it's a surprise of a movie that is so mediocre at best um for it to come out like this starring tom and jerry yeah well you know honestly my my worst fears were realized because we were worried this was going to be like a smurfs type thing i, I gotta say i think it's worse than that because the smurfs at the very least has to do with the smurfs in their village and gargamel has like transported them to new york it, all these all of these take place in new york don't ask me why but they do for some reason and gargamel is going to like destroy new york and the smurfs village or something it at least has something to do with the the lore of the cartoon right i mean that's honestly that's ultimately the problem with ever trying to make a tom and jerry movie is there's no lore there's nothing there it's a slapstick routine and if you want to see a slapstick routine that's why they that's why we have the three stooges that's why we have the marx brothers it doesn't work to bring animals on screen and watch animals throw uh anvils on each other's hands it just doesn't make sense and of course they can't really seem to figure out how to make a movie out of that so they have to create a wholly different plot and just do this really sloppy sewing them together because you're right right the tom and jerry kind of are in their own movie here and then the wedding and kayla is its own movie and they just kind of mushed them together right and at least with like a movie like the smurfs um or a movie like garfield or or something like this right they do at least try to explain how the rules of things work right like we had, uh, there is an opening scene in the smurfs where they do kind of show off this is the world that they live in right we never get anything like that in this movie, right? Everything, which 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 would be fine, um, maybe if they had done it a different way. But because all the animals are cartoons, that leads to a few questions: like, do the humans know that they're cartoons? Like, do they know <laughs> that they look this way, yeah. or do they look like real animals to them? Right? They don't really explain or really explore any of the things that they bring in this movie that are making it a bit more fantastical mostly being that all the animals are being cartoons right they don't really ever explore that which is again not too big of a deal but it it i guess it just makes the, how the world operates confusing yeah I, I thought the same thing because i thought originally i thought it was just going to be like cartoon pigeons okay whatever i mean they're not they're just mm -hmm. kind of like the narrators of the story anyway and i thought oh maybe it'll just be like tom and jerry look like this no like we see people walking their dogs they bring in elephants there's a tiger at the end and it's all animated and it just, yep. I know they're thinking like, oh, it's not really meant to be to overthink it, but I can't help but overthink it when it just, the world doesn't make sense. But I got to say, right. Alan, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, it's, I don't think it's going to be pretty, but what is your rating and recommendation for Tom and Jerry? You know, there's something to be said when you name your film after your supposed main characters. Um, but then when you actually sit down to watch it, the movie has nothing to do with those main characters. Or is so significantly little to do with them that they could basically be taken out completely and it would be its own self-serving movie, at least to a point, right? 
there's something to be said about that. And that's not a good thing. I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie where, you know, the main characters could just be completely just taken out and nothing really would nothing really would change in reality. Um, so no, Tom and Jerry 2021 is a very poor, poor film. Um, I would say even worse than its 1983, uh, counterpart, um, which is very unfortunate because I had, I was hoping that this would have at least something to it. And while there are a couple jokes that I laughed at here and there, that is not even close to making it anything that I think is worthwhile. Right. So I cannot say that I would ever recommend Tom and Jerry 2021. I'm going to give it a two stars out of 10, a most definite not recommend. There's no reason to see this. Tom and Jerry is an utter failure of a film on every level. First off, it's not even funny. The show works because it's funny, and that really only works for roughly 10 minutes. That's why the original program were shorts strung together. Just imitating the slapstick fighting of the original doesn't cut it. Second off, the human story is sheer garbage. I gave a small care last time because of the innocent girl being taken advantage of by nefarious adults. There's no real reason here, except the most basic of teamwork is better than fighting, and to be honest, great, I guess? I mean, everyone wins in the end, just because everyone ultimately did the right thing for the most part. Even our villain, Terrence, still retains his job. That's not real life. So many other movies can relate these lessons in far more entertaining ways. At least the last movie had some decent music, some nice dark imagery, the animation was far better, and taught some worthwhile lessons. If I wasn't reviewing this for Silver Screen Guide, I would shut it off. I can't believe how bad this is. This is my worst fears realized. The animation is cheap, the plot is cliche as can be, the runtime is mega bloated. This is a dumb, strange waste of time and money. Money at least for the studio to blow what Alan said, you know, 50 to almost $80 million. Tom and Jerry receives one star out of 10 with my strongest not recommend. You know, I was not far away from a one star. I was very, very close. I think the only thing that left me over was the few positives that I gave. That was the thing to say, mm, I could give it a two and be okay with it. But I, I, we were, I was very much considering a one. Yeah, I was I was I was actually expecting you to give this movie a one. Mm -hmm. I was surprised at the two. It's not terribly far off, but let the record show that Alan likes this series a little bit better than me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I it's not, not really expect. for what it's worth, I guess for what it's worth. For what it's worth, um, my average rating across the two films is a two out of ten. Av Alan's average rating across the series is three out of ten. Still right. abysmal ratings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I I just hope, I hope we do not get a sequel to this. And you know what? I don't think we will. But if this was made in, like we said, early 2000s, all of those movies got sequels. Except yeah. Yogi Bear, which came out in 2010. And they learned, their, they, they were like, they didn't give a sequel to that one. Yeah. They learned their lesson with that one. I think that one did like horrible in the box office too. Yeah, but yeah, and you know what? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I can't really give like recommendations to 
Garfield and the Flintstone movies. I just remember when I was a kid, I really did enjoy those movies. I thought they were really fun, but trying to pull off some memory of what they were, I at least felt like the characters made sense within the context of their story. Like I talked about Garfield and Odie, and I don't even remember what happened in the Flintstones and whatnot, but yeah, you know, like I talked about with the Smurfs, I don't remember Yogi Bear at all. I I actually even forgot I picked it up from Dollar Tree. Oh um, really? I, I got it on Blu-ray. I I know. <laughs> I just picked it up for a dollar. I I even <laughs> forgot I owned it. So, but nevertheless, it all at least kind of makes sense. I mean, Yogi Bear's in the national park, and he's like fighting with the ranger. It's basically the cartoon brought to life. I get it. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't make any sense at all. It's so, so crazy. And, you know, it seems like combined um, audiences do like these movies combined with the average score being 62. Critics, of course, hate this movie. And yeah, audiences on Letterboxd and IMDb across the board just find this to be so subpar, so not good at all. Which I can't blame them. I mean, we hate these movies. We gave them terrible yeah. ratings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing it's not going to be a pickup on Blu-ray. I'm guessing you're just not even really going to worry about it. I will likely never, ever pick this one up on Blu-ray. I don't even want to show it to my kids someday because <laughs> I I don't. I mean, I think this is a, honestly a terrible kids film. Mm-hmm. I think kids will probably be bored with it. Um, it's just there's really nothing here for anyone, I, I would think. Yeah, no, so definitely I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you, too. Uh, wouldn't uh, no reason for me to pick it up. <laughs> A guy so, wouldn't even pick it up. So it's not so bad. It's good is what you're saying. No, no, this is a so bad that it's bad. This is <laughs> yeah. this is beyond the so bad that it's good, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely agree. Well, Corbin, do you have any recommendations? Like things that, you know, you maybe could recommend that the audience watch um, after Tom and Jerry 2021? I do. I do have some recommends. My first recommend is Mouse Hunt, which came out in the 90s. If you want to see a movie that what Tom and Jerry could have been, it's Mouse Hunt. Mouse Hunt is absolutely hilarious. I've loved it ever since I was young. Um, it's fantastic. I own it on DVD. I highly recommend you check out Mouse Hunt. It is everything this movie should have been and just couldn't live up to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm also going to recommend Ratatouille. I think that's another fun one. Um, I'm also going to recommend, uh, the Lego movie, Megamind and Shrek. I kind of pulled those across different time periods, but those are kind of like kids and family movies that kind of pull like the legos are pulled like the legos have no lore or anything like that mm-hmm. but it's taking something and it's like I, know, I understand some people really don't like those movies but um some people do and i find the lego movie to be funny because it has a lot of self-referential stuff in it which is kind of that like almost like deadpool or guardians of the galaxy humor where it's like making fun of itself right. i honestly think that's the only way they either go the mouse hunt route or they go the Lego movie route and they make it really weird and self-referential. And 
Uh, like they, they tried a little bit of that when she's like, why can't a cat catch a mouse? And this whole no talking thing. They just needed more of that. Um, right. So I think movies like Mega Mind is also suffering from funny. And then Shrek is a subversive fairy tale. So those are just some examples that I think they probably should have drawn upon to make this movie. But those are my recommends. Yeah. The first thing that came to my mind when I thought of Tom and Jerry, like this movie, uh, was Alvin and the Chipmunks, because it does something very similar, right? It's kind of like Garfield and whatnot. It was it came out, I think, around the same time that that, that Garfield also came out. So that's what I'll be recommending is Alvin and the Chipmunks, the one that came out, the first one of the, I don't think they're like four now um, that have been released. I haven't seen those other ones. I heard they're <laughs> really bad. And the, this one I'm recommending also isn't that great, but... Recommend that one. And also, you said Ratatouille, but I'm going to recommend Zootopia. Um, oh, okay. Because I feel like they, it's like kind of like what they have here, where like animals are like animated and they have their own world. Um, whereas with this one, it's every animal is like a cartoon, right? So I'm going to recommend Zootopia somewhat in the same vein um, as Tom and Jerry when it comes to how it portrays animals. So okay. those are the two that I'm going rec- to recommend. I am also going to recommend Pokemon Detective Pikachu because okay. I think that it kind of does the same thing where it does have these animals interacting with the humans. But that movie gets really weird at the end. I'm not going to spoil anything if you haven't seen it. But I, I think they kind of do a good job with that. Um, I know you just watched Sonic the Hedgehog recently which is a live action slash animated adaption of an older property. Right. Would you recommend Sonic over Tom and Jerry? Yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> and only it only on, and I don't really like that movie, but only on the basis of Jim Carrey. Um, yeah. He's honestly, he's the only thing that kept me going through, through that movie, but he is definitely what makes it at least enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that over this. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with you. I just I think the problem is there's nothing to Tom and Jerry except it's a cat and a mouse fighting. I get it. That's that's kind of funny and it works for a short cartoon. But mm-hmm. there's just nothing here to expound that into at the very most 100 minutes. Yeah. This movie was sickeningly long. Ugh. All right, listeners. Well, the question after the show is what do you think Tom and Jerry would do if they lived in New York? I think there could be some pretty creative answers on that. Oh, yes. My final recommendation is Baby's Day Out, which is so much better than this. You know, I haven't seen that. I've heard good things, though. you got to check it out because it's everything this movie should have been. <laughs> now I'm curious. Now you got me curious. All right. Well, Corbin, thank you for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners. Well, that kind of wraps up our Tom and Jerry like mini retrospective. So join us next week as we'll be taking on the Taken trilogy, starting off with, of course, the original Taken from 2009. So we'll see you next week, listeners. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, 
Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Both Tom and Jerry are living out. Oh, messed it up already. Well, all right, listeners. Well, we'll see you next week with. Are we doing? We're doing taken right. I yeah yeah. Just had to remind myself we were doing. Okay.